Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Trap Draw. Before we get to today's uh, guest, I want to quickly thank our sponsor for this episode, Herbal Active CBD. You can find it at herbalactive.com, U-R-B-A-L-A-C-T-I-V.com. Uh, be sure to use the promo code TRAPDRAW20 for 20% off your purchase there. And... Uh, my, my strap brother, Neil, is in the house tonight. Neil, uh, tell me a little bit about Herbal Active. Well, first off, good evening, Randy. Good evening. Um, uh, Herbal Active. Took it this morning. Okay. Uh, Going to take it tonight. Are you Stressful a twice-a-day regimen? I'm usually, I'm usually a morning guy, but I have noticed I have slept better taking it. And they have uh, – you, you're talking about the drops. I'm they a, have drops. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the drops, as uh, listeners of the trap draw – May have may have guessed. Got the mints downstairs. If you need a quick pick me up, or uh, kind of levels you off a little bit. But I like mm-hmm. to I like to put the drops in the coffee, and then it's kind of like finding the pocket a little bit. You know, you don't get manic, but you kind of get right there in the uh, as they say between the mustard and the mayo. You drop it in the slot. That's You're right, right exactly there in, the, in the slot. Been playing the drums a lot. Keep it in the pocket, <laughs> huh? Two and four, four on the floor. Let's go, baby. You're you're neither rushing nor dragging. It's exactly right. It's all about tempo, and I think Herbal Active helps me with tempo. Uh, well, they also have a balm and um, new product, gum. So if you're in the market at all, be sure to uh, head over to herbalactive.com. And again, use the promo code TRAPDRAW20 for 20% off your purchase. We thank them for their sponsorship. And uh, Neil, why don't you introduce our podcast guest today? Who, who do we have? Did we already hit Jeezy? Uh, no, we better go. Sorry, Mr. Jeezy. It's, <laughs> it's your turn now. <laughs> All right, thank you, Mr. Jeezy. Thanks, Mr. Jeezy. Sorry, I, I apologize. I uh, didn't mean to overlook you there, uh, Neil. Now, can you uh, can you tell us about our guest today? I'm hyped about tonight. Uh, we've got quick bio. Bob Sturm is a staff writer covering the Dallas Cowboys for the Athletic. He has covered the team for over two decades while working for Sports Radio 1310, The Ticket. First on the Bob and Dan Show, and now alongside Corby Davidson. From 3 to 7 p.m. God, can you imagine being on the radio for four hours a day? That's a long time, bud. <laughs> I can't wait to hear his takes. Thank God for uh, those commercial yeah, breaks. <laughs> seriously. Uh, during his time, he's written for the written about the Cowboys for the Dallas Morning News, D Magazine, and Fox Sports Southwest. He was also the author of the book, This Year is Different, the story of how the 2011 Dallas Mavericks won it all. And uh, aside from that, he is... We've just gotten to know him through Twitter. Uh, for whatever reason, he's a fan of No Lang Up, and we had a, we have our co vision board downstairs, and I put his name up there. Like, yeah, this guy Bob Sturm just he seems to like Strap. Maybe I'll reach out to him see if he wants to come on the pod. So I sent him a DM on Twitter. He's like, Hell yes, I'm in. And I was like, All right, cool. Yeah. So I think we're gonna uh, we're gonna learn a little bit about the radio profession and talk to a guy who's been in the business for. 
gosh, 25 years or so now. So, uh, yeah. Cool. I guess without further ado, let's let's kick it to our conversation with Bob. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Trap Draw. Randy, I, I wrestled the controls from you over here. <laughs> it's nice to be a guest on. Uh, yeah. Well, the first off, thank you, Mr. Jeezy, yeah. as always. Of course. Uh, we have Bob Sturm. Is that, am I pronouncing that correctly, Bob? You got it so right. That's well done. Uh, all right. And uh, before we get into things, do you prefer to be called Big Shot Bob or just Bob? <laughs> Pretty much just Bob, to be honest, but I'll go with whatever. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we'll just go with all Bob. All right, then. Big Shot. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> Um, so Bob, I think it's, it's, uh, we, Randy and I are sitting here in the kill house wondering how, you know, how this came about. And I guess we've, uh, we've passed on Twitter kind of intersected. Uh, you've commented on some strapped, uh, episodes. So I'm curious, you know, how'd you, how'd you find strapped? I guess, how'd you find out about the strap boys? (laughs) Uh, it's okay. So my, my weird journey to you guys, uh, goes back a little ways, uh, just from, a standpoint that I'm not what you would call a super strong golf media personality, but I am a media guy. And, uh, you know, when I'm, uh, when I'm, uh, trying to figure out what's, uh, what's what, uh, I found my way to no laying up, uh, as a, as a grander family over the course of time. And then that one thing, you know what, it was probably, I'm trying to remember what major was probably the first time I listened to you guys kind of do the post show. Uh, probably some Kepka major or so. I, I don't re- remember, but maybe, I don't know. How long have you guys been doing them? Because I want to say 2017. Were you doing them that long ago? Bob, who could, who could say? Who could say at <laughs> yeah, this we, point? We've been around since 2014 in in name, but probably ramped things up in the uh, tw- late 2016, 2017. It started to become yeah. less of a hobby. And I'm sure like you, the last three weeks have felt like 15 years. So, you know, at yeah, this point, yeah. it's... No, no doubt, no doubt. But uh, no, I, I, I am probably only about, three, three and a half years into our relationship that you guys didn't know about. But in that time, uh, I've rolled through all the tourist sauce and strap and, and just, uh, you know, found my way to the trap draw, found my way to, uh, you know, the merch czar and, uh, you know, the, the, the backstory of Icarito and, and, and big Randy's a looping swing. And I, I feel like I've, probably gone a little overboard with you boys over the course of time which is a little weird but i feel like we're in the same space in the sports media but we're in a different space so i don't really uh hate you guys like i hate most (laughs) sports media people so so it's a weird relationship i admit but uh but uh, i just i kind of dig uh i kind of dig what you guys are all about in a way that is uh it's probably a little uncommon for me, but, uh, but I, I don't know. I just, I, I love, I love uh, my golf experience through you guys. And, and that sometimes is, is, uh, you know, the PGA commentary, but sometimes it's just, uh, you know, watching you dudes be clowns out there, uh, uh from sea to shining sea or heck over in the UK. It's all good, man. Well, hell yes. I God, appreciate that. Yeah. That is so, uh, we often say to each other, awesome. what a world. And that, yeah. that deserves a what a world comment. Truly. Uh, yeah. So what's your what's your relationship with golf outside of, you know, watching us dumbasses play? <laughs> <laughs> like are, do you cover golf at all on your show or No, well yeah, much? yeah. Well, okay, so yeah, a couple a couple things. First of all, uh, I would imagine almost nobody listening has any idea who I am. And so I would start with I've been a sports media 
uh, nerd for, I guess, 25 years now since leaving college. Uh, so I'm, I'm 47, and I've been covering basically the NFL and the NHL uh, ever since. And uh, went from uh, uh, my, my birth uh, place in Wisconsin to I went to school out in Virginia. Then I uh, was hired out here in Dallas in 98, and I've been covering the Cowboys ever since. And so my relationship with golf is I do sports radio, and uh, clearly the uh, the big cat uh, has has made uh, sports radio talking about golf kind of a cool thing over the last couple decades, and and uh, so you know we we swoop in for the majors and act like we know what we're talking about, and then swoop back over to the cowboy talk uh, the rest of the year, sort of thing. Uh, maybe uh, Dirk goes on a run for the Mavs or Luca or something cool, but you know it's it's a it's tangential at best, and so. Uh, then my plane, <laughs> my plane prowess is even more embarrassing where I didn't really play until I got into sports media and then found out that everybody in the sports media plays golf, including, you know, coaches, players, GMs, everything. And if you can't break a hundred, you've got a problem in terms of your social circles. So then my quest in life pretty much became, how can I get good enough at golf? So that when, uh, you know, coach uh, X or uh, Y or Z wants to, wants to, uh, you know, talk football over a round of golf, I can do it without him being, being super sad by like the fifth hole that he decided to spend his day with this clown, you know? And so, so that, you know, kind of self-taught kind of worked my way to where, you know, uh, the first goal was uh, someday, man, bogey golf will be mine. And then it was someday, you know, maybe we can sneak down into the, you know, the mid to low eighties. And that's kind of where I sit. I, I, you know, I, I, I love playing, but I don't really have a whole lot of time to do it. So I, I'm, I'm, I kind of go out on solo missions and you guys have done a fantastic job of, uh, of, uh, you know, exposing me to the joys of, uh, of the push cart mafia and just the general idea that, you know, it's, there's, there's a different ways to consume golf. And like I said, you guys just kind of resonate with this particular sports dork. So that's a, uh, I think that's a, I think it's a compliment, but to you guys might take it anyway. I can't help but take it as a compliment. Yeah. Good. I hope so. Because yeah. I, I, you, you too, especially. You know, I don't. I don't want to rank. I don't want to rank the no laying up guys. Uh, I don't want the other guys being hurt by this at all. But uh, but the, the strap boys, those are my guys right there. Hell yes, appreciate that. Yeah, screw the C suite. The C suite doesn't They don't listen to the trap draw, so you don't have yeah. to worry about it. We're the, we're the undercard. Not, yeah, I'm not about the C suite. I mean, come on. Let's, uh, let's let's be real here. So I'm fascinated by the radio business in general and it sounds like you've yeah. been in it almost since sounds like day one uh yeah. how'd you did you know coming out of college that's what you wanted to do or how'd you get into the business well the first thing i wanted to do was play in the nba and <laughs> i quickly found out that uh that was definitely not going to happen and uh you know I, I i thought maybe i could play a little bit you know at the college level and i couldn't guard anybody at any point so uh, you know, being okay in rural Wisconsin at basketball is a very small pond. And if you are good in rural Wisconsin at basketball, 
my advice to you is don't ever leave and find out that uh, people in the other states are much better at basketball than they are in Wisconsin. <laughs> so, so from there, the, the, the name of the game was uh, how can I uh, go through life without ever having to work uh, or at least, you know, kind of feel like, you know, my dad, my dad was a railroad guy and I don't think I ever saw him really ever enjoy the weekend ending and having to go back to work. And so I think as a kid, I just figured I got to get into sports somehow. I was obsessed with sports as a little kid. Uh, and so, you know, just in general, uh, if you can't play, <laughs> you work your way over to the media side. And, uh, and that's, yeah, that's what I did in the mid nineties. And, you know, I, I always think of, uh, the book and I, I know, especially Mr. Randy is, uh, <laughs> uh, is, 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 is always throwing out, uh, uh, great book recommendations. And so you guys have worked over Malcolm Gladwell uh, probably a decade ago. So this is old hat for you, but the old outlier story of, you know, like jobs and Wozniak uh, just kind of being in the right place at the right time at Michigan when the computers came along. I kind of think that was my deal with sports radio. And like any of us who were getting out of school in the mid nineties, when the genre was just kind of getting going, you know, we had an unfair advantage over guys, who are 10 years younger. That's a really loud airplane, isn't it? But ah, um, We can't hear it. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> so shout out to Steve Jobs for making a good phone. Uh, but but the idea that, um, you know, you it, if you are leaving school and you're trying to get into sports radio in 1994, 95, all these stations need talent. And you're 22 or 23, so you're not making any money. They're not paying any money. And it's all good. And, and so uh, people ask me all the time, you know, how do you get into this business? And I think the answer is it helps if you got into it 20 years ago when they had all the jobs. And, and so now all of us are in our mid-40s and we're still squatting on all those same jobs if we're any good. And so it's, it's a much more competitive and more difficult, you know, gig to get into. But uh, yeah, doing it for a long, long time in Dallas at a great radio station that, you know, has been successful for a long time. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's fun. And, and, you know, there's, there's plenty of time to play golf on the side. So that's cool. There you go. Um, that's funny. I, I, uh, I think the no laying up story has a lot of that, you know, right place, right time, uh, aspect to it, as, as you were saying, just with podcasting and, and, yeah, you know, getting to cover golf in uh, non-traditional manner. So I'd also say your your goal not to work a day in your life. You and Randy are birds yeah. of a feather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, 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 and let me say, uh, I, I enjoy your content, but there's also part of me that respects the grind of kind of figuring out your own path. And and I think what you guys have done is even better than than the traditional route I took because I'm still working for the man, you know, and, 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 and I know we all kind of do, but I just, I love the idea that, uh, okay, let's figure out what we're into. Let's figure out a space that's kind of untapped and, and maybe, maybe we can kind of build something that didn't exist already. That's, that's way more rewarding. I'm sure than, than always being beholden to a big broadcast company that, you know, they'll lay off people and they won't sweat it because they'll just, go find somebody else. I've been very lucky in that, but I, I love, I love the idea that you guys can, can build a brand like this. Well, thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I was going to ask you, and I know sports talk radio 
wasn't as prevalent when you were, you know, high school and, and into college, but was there anybody that you would listen to and, you know, want to emulate? Was there anybody yeah. that, you know, who, who was, who was most formative for you? Well, okay. So that's, that's a great question. Um, so when I, when I uh, was in high school, I remember reading in Sports Illustrated uh, that there was, uh, I mean, you know, the back pages of Sports Illustrated would always have these, these odd, you know, stories that would only be, you know, at the most 300 words, maybe 400 if they wanted to get crazy, but just really short little blurbs. And one of them was that there's this new idea in New York City, this WFAN in New York was uh, going to go on the air, and they were going to be all sports all day and all night. And I'm like, <laughs> how? How does that even exist? You know, again, if you're a certain age, you actually remember before sports radio existed. And, uh, and then the idea that they would give a dude like an hour or two at night to do a call-in show, but it would be, uh, you know, a news talk format or, or even a music format. And then they would do sports talk, you know, after dinner, like that's where it belonged. And, uh, and, and so WFAN went on the, uh, went on the air and I, you know, living in Wisconsin, couldn't hear it. But when I went out to school, uh, it popped on, you know, late at night, you know, the AM, the AM signal would bounce and. And so, yeah, I, I would listen to uh, WFAN and try to try. I think Steve Summers was the first guy I could hear there, like in my dorm room. And, you know, at the time I wanted to be a newspaper writer because that's all I knew. But then, you know, I, I guess I I guess I had some sort of radio voice and I had things to say. And more importantly, writers have to start at the bottom and they're like covering like high school volleyball matches. And I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to talk about <laughs> the NFL. So uh, worked worked my way over to radio and um, you know Chuck Kopic uh, in Chicago was an early voice. Uh, Jim Rome was probably an early voice. Oh, God, now, now you're now, in my wheelhouse. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> I was gonna ask you about Rome. What are your thoughts on Rome? Randy's the biggest Rome fan. He's the biggest clone I know. Really, that's oh. uh, that's fantastic. You know, I picked up a little bit of it on the on the Greg Norman episode uh, a couple weeks ago. Or uh, whenever it was, as you guys have pointed out, time is standing still. But uh, I enjoyed the little Chris Everett routine there as, as, <laughs> as, a, as, as an homage to Romy. But, you know, what's funny about that is I was young and uh, it's weird. If you're like a, a rock band, it's cool to have influences. But if you're in sports radio, uh, you, they, they don't call them influences. They call them like you're ripping somebody off. Yeah. Like if you if you sound like him you're totally stealing their act and you don't mean to, but you're, you know, you're 23 or 24 and you don't really, they call it, you're trying to find your voice, but you know, all your voice is, is just all the dudes you've listened to. So, so how old a, is, how old is Rome though? Is he, he man, he's always struck me as a younger, a younger guy. If man, I, he's, he's been going, I, I would guess he's 55 right now, I, but yeah, I, I was going to say early fifties maybe. Okay. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, he's been doing it a long, long time, and I'm a little suspicious about that hair, to be honest. That's what I was going to uh, say. Every, for pi- sure. every yeah. picture I for see, sure. he looks like he's 40. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I think he has uh, been using that $5 million a year very well, probably, if I were to guess. But, His, you know, uh, I mean... Sorry to, to kind of... Um, a little bit of a small world. His oldest just entered college, and I believe is at the University of Wisconsin. Oh. Whoa! That? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I well, again, hey, I'm uh, I, I grew up loving the Badgers, and uh, I have uh, 
I cleaned their stadium as a kid, uh, which which uh, is a story you didn't even ask me about. But that's, <laughs> that's bonus material. But uh, yeah, you know those those are guys that influenced me. But but I, it really was important. I, I was the kind of a solo act, and when I got to Dallas, I did a year at night by myself, and I was terrified because it was the first time I lived in a big city. And, uh, and also, uh, I was on the super popular station, but the nighttime got no numbers. And the reason is because it's a big sports city. And if you like sports at night, you're probably watching the teams play, not listening to some idiot talk about the, the games. I mean, you're watching them. So, so there's no audience, but then they put me with a guy who I did a show with for 21 years until a couple months ago when they moved me to another show. But, um, Basically, he helped me realize that you kind of got to be yourself. And, I, you know, so I was, I was probably in my mid to late 20s, and he kind of, I, he didn't even tell me. You know, he, I, I could just tell this guy, just uh, Dan McDowell is his name, and, and, and I just love the fact that he wasn't anybody. He was like this, his own dude. And, uh, and, and you know, the, I, I guess the lesson for any young broadcaster is, you don't have to be anybody. Yeah, I think I think they like it the best when when you're you, but uh, you don't even know who you are at first. So you got to figure it out. So that's interesting because even when we do the, the podcast stuff, um, I normally live up in New York, so I don't I hop on a lot of them. And for a, a, a while, it's it's wearing off a little now because I've I've been doing more of them. But you do have imposter syndrome, so I'm curious yeah. if like how long that, did that last? Did you have that, especially as you were doing it solo? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, no, I think I think that's right, Neil. In terms of when you're when you're figuring it out, uh, and it might be the old uh, ten thousand hour rule or whatever it is. I mean, uh, the more the more at bats you get, the more comfortable you are, and the more you're not trying to figure out what Jim Rohn would say here, but you're trying to figure out what you would say here. So I would say it probably took me five years of being on the air just about every day before I sounded more like me than I did like a collage of everybody I've ever listened to, but you know, it takes a while. And, 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 uh, I think to quote the movie airheads, uh, you've actually got to have something to say as well. So there's a, there's a sweet movie reference there for me for a 25 year old movie that no one saw yeah. was, uh, uh, I, I believe the guy, uh, who, so, so it was a band that, uh, that took over a radio station. You guys have any idea what this movie is? Airheads. I, I think Adam Sandler. I was gonna. Yeah. I've definitely, definitely heard of it, but I, I don't know if I've ever. No, seen no, it. no. It's it's totally fine. I, 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 I certainly would never not expect you to have this movie committed to memory, but, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I want to say the point was they wanted to get their record played, so they took a radio station over, kind of by force, and uh, and and wanted to uh, be heard was their was their goal that we just want to be heard. Uh, bands always say we just want to be heard. And, uh, so the DJ said, okay, well, I think he might've been at gunpoint and, uh, the DJ, it's a comedy, it's a funny gunpoint, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, he said, okay, well, you guys wanted to be heard. What do you have to say? And, uh, all, uh, they said back was, well, we just want to be heard. Uh, and so, so the, the, the moral to that story that might've gone nowhere is you've got to have something to say once you get a chance to be heard. And, uh, and then, so, uh, as, as Romy might say, have a take and don't suck. How about that? Yeah. So yeah, I'm curious then as now and then early in your career, what does prep look like for you before you go on the air? 
Um, <laughs> to, to form those takes, right? To make sure you have something. Yeah, to yeah. The prep is, I think, just be obsessed with your topic matter. And I know that sounds like a cop out, but there are some days where I just go play golf uh, because I know how I feel about this, this, and this. Um, you, our station is sports talk, but we probably do as much guy talk as anything, which actually helps in the event of a world pandemic is that there are no games and now you're talking about whatever and you're talking about, you know, movies or you're talking about games that uh, you saw 25, 30 years ago or 20 years ago or whatever. And like next week, uh, yeah, and I'm sure this is probably something you guys are thinking of, but we're, we're just going to dive into some old masters and just have fun watching some that we've never even seen before. And, uh, you know, it's so, so prep prep to me, I think it's different because there's a lot of people that aren't, real hardcore sports nerds okay so i am and my backstory is i was from a very conservative baptist family and my very conservative baptist family uh pretty much felt like uh the tv was a horrible plan and uh so as a kid uh the only time i could watch tv from like the time i was five till like the time i was 15 was if it was sports and so uh, at the, when I was five, I probably didn't care at all about sports, but I cared about that magic box. Right. I had to see that TV, man. Those colors, those colors were amazing. And so I'm watching sports all the time because parents said, Hey, if uh, you want to watch sports, you can, we didn't have cable. So, you know, I'm, I'm just obsessed with sports and they kind of created Frankenstein. So, uh, I, uh, feel like I could probably go toe to toe sports trivia wise with just about anybody in my business because I've always been that sports nerd that, you know, at age six, they would tell, you know, relatives would be like, man, you were going on and on about games when you were five, six years old. They're like, what, what was your problem? And I'm, I didn't, to me, it wasn't a problem. To me, it was, I freaking love just competition, you know, and, and really that's what's great about going doing you know sports radio is that you go from game to game and and sport to sport and it, in the end it all has the, the the human element of competition you know the thrill of victory the agony of defeat the whole bit and that's what it is it's not specifically one team or one athlete or even one sport it's the fact that people get obsessed with these games and it's their life work and that's what we talk about so how do i prep i, I guess since i was five but at the same time some days it's a lot and some days it's not at all because I know the answers to the test pretty well. And, and I guess that's what helps you, you know, stay at the same gig for 20 some years. I, uh, I can't imagine doing solo radio. It seems to me like that would be the most difficult thing in the world to do. I'm, I'm yeah. interested if, if, if solo radio is that much harder than, you know, when you have a co-host and it is, if so, yeah. Are the, the the telephone calls then are they have to be kind of a, a lifeline, right? They're well, okay. So so now we're diving into the many different uh, machinations of this genre, and basically, I will tell you the best thing that ever happened to me was getting a co-host because uh, I you know I I definitely love kind of being that the man at first, you know, thinking okay, I want to have my own show when I'm, but then. I didn't realize how stressed I would be all day long at how the show's coming up. What do I have? Do I have enough? I'm just going to be out there. And what if the phones don't ring and all this? And so two things happened. 
one, I came to the ticket in Dallas and the first day I got there or the, uh, yeah, my job interview, the boss is like, look, we don't really care about callers at our station. And I'm like, really? He's like, <laughs> we don't pay you guys what we pay you so that we can hear a plumber or, you know, a repairman, uh, you know, tell, tell us what they think about the football game. Now, I don't care if you take calls, but I want your opinions on things. I don't want, I don't want to hear nothing but callers. So he thought that callers were an absolute crutch of radio guys. And I kind of agree with him looking back. I think he's right. I think generally if you hear a show where all they're doing is going through callers, it might be because the hosts don't have a whole lot and they're kind of using that to fill their time. And you know, that might not be the best product. And then of course, the second thing I would say is I had another dude. And so obviously if you're going to be a one man show, uh, you probably do need callers. So you just, you're not just, you know, yelling into the abyss all day and all night. So we would have a two man show and then we'd have a, another dude who chimes in and another before long, it's three or four dudes. And I, I guess the, the best description is they, they try, you know, back in the day, they would call it a sports bar on the radio, that sort of thing. So it kind of sounds like a dude sitting around the table at the kill house or wherever, you know, just, just chopping it up, just talking about whatever. And uh, I, I think you guys, uh, even subconsciously have a good idea of basically how the genre works best. And that is just ball busting and guys <laughs> just trying to make each other laugh the whole time. And that's what we've been doing for years. And like I said, that's, that's what resonates uh, with your product with me. Yeah. I feel like the, the ones that we've gotten good feedback on seem to be the, or at least for me, the topics we're energetic about, like we did a podcast about like Garth Brooks and, <laughs> You know, it's just like, we're excited, so why should our golf audience be? I guess maybe that can be infectious. Um, well, absolutely. And let me say this, Neil. Uh, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, I, I feel like I'm cutting you guys off a lot on your own show. I'm sorry. I well, you're a pro, no, you're that. a pro. It's, we're learning from the best here. We're, we're taking copious notes over here, Bob. My, my favorite stuff, and you guys need to do more of this, is, uh, is, is absolutely the documentary reviews. Uh, I don't mind the golf. I don't mind talking to a golf architecture, man. I don't mind. <laughs> I certainly don't mind the recaps of, uh, of, uh, you know, the big tournaments and all that. It's all good. But if you guys just want to review some kind of monster, like once a month, that'd be great. <laughs> King of Kong. I well, mean, it, you gotta I understand mean, it's, it's hard. It's it, again, what a world when it's like, Wait, like if we talk about that, you guys will listen. Bob, I've been trying to tell him less golf now for, for yeah, for years. Years. on that block. If it was up years. to me, it'd be no golf. Trust me, trust me. Uh, there are many, many times during a long Texas Rangers summer where we are willing to literally talk about anything, but uh, a, a, you know, a, a baseball team that's twenty-eight back. So, so I, I totally feel you on that. All right, so I've got another question for you. What's the what's the most heat you've taken for? for a take or for an, for an opinion over, over the course of your career? Like, you know, a, a take that went wrong, <laughs> what comes to mind? All right. Uh, the best one is, uh, is, is probably the, the fact that when I got to town, uh, when I got my uh, gig in Dallas, I was 26. So I was, I was in super small market, Virginia, uh, with my first job. And then somehow Dallas thought that I was ready for them. And I'm obviously very pleased about that because uh, small market Virginia was not great. Um, but anyway, got to Dallas and uh, quickly, you know, I guess it's just like human instinct, but quickly you kind of look for maybe a sacred cow that you can 
perhaps go after a little bit. Just, you know, you know, this guy isn't as great as you guys think he is. It's like prison my rules. Tr- yeah. <laughs> yeah. First day in prison. <laughs> it kind of was. Beat somebody looking- up or become someone's bitch. <laughs> and then looking back, I really regret it, but I was young and an idiot. And so my choice subconsciously uh, was, you know what? Troy Aikman, not that great. <laughs> Guy stinks. So, Guy lacks pop. And, and so Troy Aikman, you know, I'm 26. It's 1998. He's won three Super Bowls with the Cowboys. And let's be honest, looking back, it probably has to do with me growing up uh, near uh, adjacent to the Green Bay Packers. And all Troy Aikman did is just drill the Packers over and over again in the 90s. And so I didn't think it was a biased take at the time. I thought I was doing really strong media work. But looking back and even hearing back of some of the garbage I would say, <laughs> I, I, I'm really super embarrassed about it. So, so flash forward uh, 15 or 17 years and come to find out that not only was Troy Aikman aware of it, but, uh, but he was professional enough to hire me uh, to basically uh, assist him for his Fox broadcast. And so I, you know, I, I, you know, like, what do you say? Now, now you're in your forties. He's hired you to work for him and he's shown you nothing but class and respect. But he also knows that when you were like 27, you were saying some really irresponsibly vicious things about him. And I've always, you know, to, to this day, I work for him. Uh, I've worked for him for five years now uh, on the side. Uh, you know, like I said, every time him and Joe do a, do a Fox game, I, I provide him with, you know, basically my thoughts on, on the game and 11 or 12 pages. It takes me, you know, a long time to put it together. And I, I guess he respects the work. But I, I, <laughs> when you say what are my biggest regrets or what's the biggest take gone wrong, it's the fact that, uh, you know, if you're going to go after somebody, there's a good chance it's going to get back to them. And if you're cool with that, fine, take them down. But I realized looking back, I really didn't have any substance behind it. I was just trying to get noticed because that's what dumb, insecure idiots do. And, uh, and, and I, I would like to take it all back. On the other hand, maybe he never is. Maybe he never hires me. Maybe he never heard of me. I don't know. So that's that's the first one is all the Troy Aikman regret I have, including by the way, if you ever watch like NFL films and they're doing like top ten quarterbacks of all time or top ten Cowboys of all time, there's a chance you'll actually see me as the descending voice on a Troy Aikman piece where everyone else is saying great things and I'm like, eh. You know, I mean, 21 touchdowns. Is, <laughs> He's, is a really that QB. He's a system QB. <laughs> yes. And right so, place, right time. Anybody that guy. can win behind right. that line. Right. And so now those are on NFL films. I recorded them like in 2001 or 2002. They run to this day. And that's me <laughs> with my name on it. So it's. It's pretty embarrassing. Well, you're making me really self-conscious now. I'm thinking, uh, you know, 10 years from now when I'm teaching Ricky Ricky Fowler how to how to create his own podcast it's it's going to be bad news well let me ask you this have did did Aikman like did, was it a controlled detonation when he asked you to work with him like did he did he like did he serve it up to you like yeah I know who you are I know what you said like in a really classy way well, our, our path had crossed a few times before that so we we got most of the awkwardness out of the way that wasn't the first time we interacted but I always thought man 
there's no better way to kill somebody than to just be super cool to them when they've been a jerk uh, behind your back to you. So, yeah, I would, I would initially be suspicious of like Bryson or Ricky or somebody <laughs> like that. Uh, he reaches out to you, but, uh, but maybe just maybe they have the, the, the class of Troikman. And let me say class uh, with a capital C since I now work for him and I will disclose that I am uh, uh, probably a little biased, but at the same time, uh, I do think the world of him, and I regret uh, all those horrible things I said. I, I'm based on that answer. I'm guessing you haven't really gotten into it with any other professional athletes uh, around Dallas. And oh, yeah. I mean, you know, get into it is is it's all relative. Well, we, I, I'm we, thinking. We, I'm thinking specifically. Like, did you ever? I because I know you write a lot too. So, like, yeah. any like post game locker room scene, that type of stuff. Uh, you know, the the stuff we all laugh about when it shows up on like a, a national radio show. Like, hey, check out this audio. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, okay. The best the best embarrassing audio that's out there on me was uh, uh, Jay Moore. Uh, the comedian and I got into it a little bit, and uh, Lee Corso and I got into it a little bit. <laughs> or <yes>. actually, <laughs> Lee Corso probably got into it more uh, with the guy I was doing the show with, uh, Dan, uh, who, you know, we're still great friends, but uh, things happen in the business, so so they split us up, and now we're doing two different shows, but that's a bunch of information you didn't ask for. But, uh, but, but yeah, with Jay Moore, he, so, so the Jay Moore story... <laughs> is uh, probably more amusing. So I'll pick that one. Uh, that one is, uh, uh, he, uh, shortened up the word Japanese to a term that is probably not airworthy anymore. Well, uh, shout out Bill Parcells. Yeah, Bill Parcells. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So it's the story of, uh, Pearl Harbor, uh, me visiting Pearl Harbor. It's not the actual story of Pearl Harbor. I wasn't there or anything like that. I'm, I'm a bit too young to actually have been at Pearl Harbor, but I was taking the tour and for some reason we were talking about it and I guess it was an observation of mine at the time, again, a long time ago, but that, uh, that a lot of people that happened to be on the Pearl Harbor tour happened to also appear to be Asian. And, uh, and, and Jay Moore was uh, sitting in with us and he said, if he was on that tour, <laughs> he, he, he might've, uh, he might've, uh, perhaps gotten physical a little bit you know he's doing stand-up comedy and everything like that so he he actually used the term uh yeah he, he used the parcells term uh because i don't have the guts to even say it on on trap draw uh but uh, he says uh you know over uh, over the uh, the railing with you and so so he was uh, uh he was throwing somebody overboard off the uh, i guess the uss missouri and i freaked out a little bit i don't I didn't freak out verbally. I freaked out with body language, which he instantly picked up on. So the reason I freaked out was within the year before that, a dude back in Madison, Wisconsin, my hometown, who I grew up watching on the TV sports, actually used that same term, but he wasn't using it in any sort of negative way. He thought that's what you call the Japanese national team. So they were playing the U.S. and I don't know soccer, volleyball, whatever he's showing the highlights on. And he said the U.S. beat the, <laughs> the the Japanese, and he got fired. He got fired from his job. And so here I am, Mister Insecure in Dallas. Now I've made it to the big time. I got Jay Moore on with me, and I know if Jay Moore says something on my show, what if I get fired just like the dude back in Madison? 
So my body language is instantly to distance from what Jay Moore just did, which I don't even think you could tell on the radio unless Jay Moore calls me out on it. And so he called me out like, what? What's uh, what's your problem? And then I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, first of all, yes, exactly. He's famous. He was just in Jerry Maguire. I'm a nobody. I'm doing middays in Dallas. And, uh, and he senses that I wasn't, that he wasn't killing it with his material right there because now I'm like straightening papers on the desk somewhat nervously and, uh, trying to quickly change the topic. Well, he saw that as, you know, a raw piece of steak and he kind of went after me and I didn't necessarily handle that super well either. So that's out there somewhere. If you look for it, you can find <laughs> me a- sounding like a absolute pansy as Jay Moore is just killing me on my own show. That's ho- that's homework for Randy and I. I was going to say, you've given yeah. me something to do tonight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, any, any chance to honor that. Well, then yeah, it sounds like you got the last laugh because Jay Moore hasn't been on the trap draw. Number one. And after <laughs> Jerry Maguire, I can't think of much that Jay Moore's done. Dude, I, I have to tell you, uh, being on the trap draw is, uh, is, is, is one of the great accomplishments to this point <laughs> in my career. And I'm uh, very thrilled about this. I love it. Now we got another, another question for you. This is one that yeah. Randy and I were excited to ask. Do you have okay. any good Scoops Callahan stories? <laughs> wow. How do you guys know about Scoops Callahan? Oh my God. Scoops, Scoops is, is uh, a, he's an institution with he, us. Yeah. His interviews with Champ, Champ, the one he did with, uh, with Mickelson. <laughs> he's, he's beloved within NLU. Dude. Okay. Well, I, I apologize because I am not a uh, NLU poser in any way, shape or form. I, uh, I uh, certainly have not quite uh, joined the nest, but, uh, but uh, you certainly uh, uh, like I said, I have the towel on my back that uh, says I'm all about you guys. That said, I didn't know you guys were into scoops, but that is our show. That's uh, our oh, that's uh, you guys. That's, a, that's our show. It's, yeah, that's it's our Tom producer. Gribble, right? Yeah, Tom. Tom was our producer for like ten years, uh, and and uh, one he did two things that we really enjoyed. Uh, well, I don't mean to belittle the rest of his career, but he did two bits. <laughs> that we really loved on our show over the years. One was Scoops Callahan, which is basically uh, him being acting as if he's a, a reporter from the 1920s. It's the best. It's the best bit on the internet. I, I go back to that, that like mashup video of him with, you know, 10 different yes. coaches and players probably once yeah. in a couple months. It's, it's awesome. Uh, some of the best reactions of course would be uh, uh, Peyton Manning, uh, Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson was absolutely the best. Uh, there's, there's, there's no question that uh, Scoops was drunk that day too at the Colonial. <laughs> Thanks, Scoops. <laughs> which, which, Why are you shouting at me? <laughs> Why are you yelling at me? <laughs> You're a foot from me. <laughs> yes. And then the other one, which never made it quite to YouTube famous because it's a little more awkward, but it was a bit he did called the Gabby Urinator. And and what that is is that uh, you guys. Uh, you know, like sideline reporters and uh, early sideline reporters would even, uh, you know, get fan feedback, uh, especially like on radio networks. They would see what the fans feel like at halftime or something like that. Well, our idea for scoops, uh, Tom, was to actually to to basically act like he was part of. So wherever we were, he was on that radio network. So we would travel with the Dallas stars or, or the Cowboys. And so, um, we, you know, we'd be at a green Bay game up in green Bay. And so the bit was, he would have a microphone 
attached to like a mini disc or something in his pocket. So it really wasn't going anywhere. And once in a while they would find him out for this. But the bit was that he would interview fans while they were uh, going number one uh, in those long urinal lines inside a uh, team bathroom. (laughs) And so he would never let on that he, you know, the bit was not to say, Hey, you're, 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 you're peeing right now or anything like that. The bit was to t- to just interview guys who are basically holding themselves and uh, trying to already perform in front of a big audience anyway. You know how awkward it is in those big game uh, bathrooms. <laughs> yeah, and, like line at 10 deep for sure. Right. And then right. Scoops and so, is next to me. That's my, this is my chance with Scoops. Yeah, so he's just asking you about the first half while you're trying to perform in front of a large audience. And it generally got heated quick. Like, uh you're not going to believe this guys, but uh, apparently intoxicated uh, fans at sporting events uh, did not handle that real professionally. (laughs) And so we would always have to kind of be hovering around uh, just in case things got physical and get him out of there. It's a but, bit, uh, guys. It's a bit. It's whoa, a bit. easy, guys. Easy. easy. Yeah, come Listen, on. It's, it's a bit. It's a ticket <laughs> yeah, in Dallas. Yeah, come yeah. On. yeah. Well, one time somebody actually uh, followed the cord into his jacket and saw that the mic wasn't actually plugged into anything that was transmitting. And then so he actually, it was a, a Blackhawks game, and he definitely wanted to beat Tom up, and we had to get him out of there uh, post-haste. But, those yeah, scoops and uh, the Gabby urinator. Those were uh, those were two of our calling cards, I guess, back in the day a little bit. Is, is Scoops still on the scene? Uh, scoops is still at our our uh, cluster of stations. We call them, but he's across the hall. Uh, I guess I don't know. We uh, maybe we broke up in 2012 or something. Again, no real animosity, no real great juicy story, but. Radio's dumb, and radio, uh, for, for all sorts of reasons, often the salary cap or, or whatever, they, they move guys around uh, to try to find those great ratings. And luckily, you know, our station in general has pretty much stayed the same for since I got here in 98. But, uh, but uh, nevertheless, occasionally there is still a little change. In fact, uh, the one I've been referencing a few times here is uh, the guy who created our radio station in 1994, so four years before I came to Dallas, he put the station on the air. So he was doing uh, local, like he was a sports guy on the rock morning show, you know, and he had an idea that he wanted to bring sports radio to Dallas. And uh, so he did, and he created this station and he created these great lives for all of us uh, on this team. Uh, But now he up and retired kind of the first of the year. And so um, they, they had to fill his spot. And so they moved me up to that spot and then, then they had to fill my spot. So they moved our producer. So, you know, it's just, it's just radio moving around, which is why I've awkwardly said I was on a show for 21 years until like two months ago. It's really just our buddy retired who uh, we all owe everything to Mike yeah. Reiner. Shout out to Mike. Shout out to Mike. Shout out to commission yeah. too. Yes. Could you, that's yeah. our buddy who lives in Dallas. I'm oh yeah. Of, oh, cool. Yeah. We call him the commission. Yeah. Well, so, get, well so, can you just, before we move on from Scoops, please, if you see yeah. Scoops tomorrow or next week, just tell them the Strap Boys are big fans. And, and okay, Tron. Will. And Tron. And yeah, Tron's, Tron's a massive, Tron's a massive Tron might be too. the biggest Scoops fan. Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, shout out to TC then. Yeah, right, so, so if, if Scoops does want to like make a comeback, like we we are fully supportive of that. I mean, yeah. it is it is like my favorite thing. I'm thinking you know so, what? The, the Tony Parker. I like it. The Tony yeah, Parker. The, the, the uh, Fiery Franco file. <laughs> it's my favorite thing because it's so, like, one, it's so earnest, and, it's, and yeah. two, it's so harmless. Like, he doesn't Dude. 
ask any of the guys anything like uh, right. mean or it's just kind of like they just don't know how to react. It's bizarre. It's just yeah. bizarre. Right. You know what I mean? It's, no, it's such a good reaction from everyone because it's so innocent. Yes, that that's the point of the bit is not to have anyone feel like they've been victimized. Like they're just confused. And that Popovich so, who, who thought he yeah, was being punked. <laughs> yeah, the Popovich sniffed it out. Uh, he has actually brought it back with, I think, uh, his new show. I think they did Drew Brees and maybe Aaron Rodgers this year when they both came into Dallas, I think. Okay, did we'll Aaron have to check that did out. Drew, did Drew Brees come into town? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, but uh, Aaron Rodgers definitely was here, and, and they did that. But uh, uh, fun fact about Scoops, the last interview Phil Jackson ever did, so the 2011 Mavs went on a run and they That's swept right. the Lakers. And so Phil Jackson's in his final press conference as an NBA coach, Hall of and Fame Scoops coach. Hits him hard. <laughs> and, and Scoops hit him with a question, and he got up and left the press room, and he never coached again. That was it. He was like, basketball. yeah, all right, guys, I'm done. <laughs> yep, that was it. That was it. Do I'm curious, did uh, any of the team, especially now with like the way that you know, there's a, a 900 people around all these, PR people around all these NBA and NFL teams, like – has Scoops been like banned from the clubhouse or the, uh, uh, the facility for for having Scoops, some fun? <laughs> the Dallas the Dallas teams are all into Scoops the, because they are into the ticket and uh, they whether they like it or not they eventually all figured out a sense of humor is the best way to approach sports and not to take everything so seriously because uh, come on we're just playing games and killing time and screwing around but we definitely have angered teams and I think the best case was uh, Alex Ovechkin's uh, PR guy in Washington um, so I want to say 2010 or 2011 we're in Washington and he is uh, Scoops is, and I think this is on YouTube as well Scoops uh, hits Alex Ovechkin and and it's all you know it's all fun and games and I don't think OV cared one bit and uh, just answered the question and went on with his life but the Washington guy got so mad and uh, and and wanted him banned. And then the next game on the road trip was the Buffalo Sabers. And so the Washington guy actually called the Buffalo PR guys and told them to ban us from getting into the arena because because uh, uh, this this reporter from the 1920s might ask one of your players <laughs> an innocuous question. So that you know, I mean, occasionally people don't have sense of humor. One time we deserved it. So we had uh, we had a bet payoff where uh, whoever lost uh, had to wear medieval night uh, outfits <laughs> into a locker room. And so it was the Nashville Predators, and uh, the co- at the time their coach was Barry Trotz. And, you know, they lost a 4-3 game to the Stars or something like that. So he's already in a bad mood. And uh, at his press conference, here come two dudes dressed like, uh, <laughs> you know, medieval knights right off. You Got know, like right off the <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They walk in there. And again, they're not asking any questions that are out of line. They're asking proper <laughs> hockey questions, but he just can't get past the fact that they're wearing suits of armor. Which probably pissed him off even more. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, what the oh, yeah. He, are you two he just, doing here? Yeah, he just screamed, get, get these guys out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> so it's, it's fun. It's mostly the PR guys, and, and you know, they're probably young in their careers, and, and they, they feel like they have to fight for the for the uh, you know for the good of uh, their organization and have to prove prove to the guys in the room that they're not taking any funny business from these out of town media guys. What uh what one thing we were Neil and I were both curious about is uh, 
just what's it like to work around the Cowboys and obviously Jerry specifically? Is it as much of a circus as is kind of portrayed nationally? I mean, yeah, I, I, I feel mean, like there's is. some genius there, though, in, in how Jerry goes about it. Let me tell you the best thing that I could possibly say about Jerry, because in a, as a general rule, I kind of think he is bad at running a football team. Like he, <laughs> he <laughs> that's the best he thing a, to say about Jerry Jones. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. I, I didn't finish. Go ahead, you go didn't ahead. let me finish. I'm, I'm setting it up that, that I think he's a lousy general manager. And, and I think he is. Uh, I think, I think uh, he fired uh, Jimmy Johnson because he could not uh, share the credit. And basically the Cowboys have underachieved ever since. And one of the things that he's insisted on because he bought the team is he gets to remain general manager. And I get it. You know, if I suppose if I owned a team, I'd want pretty awesome things too. Maybe I'd make myself quarterback. I don't know. I mean, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Who's to say? But, um, but uh, the one thing I say about him that is amazing is nobody gets goofed on more than Jerry Jones. There's a dude on our station that does a perfect dead ringer of Jerry Jones, but then makes him say all sorts of insane things. And he's a fake Jerry Jones. Our, our guy Gordon uh, is, you know, it's, it's awesome. It's so good. And he's been doing it for years. And the one thing about Jerry that's incredible is he's never complained one time about people making fun of anything. Like he's the ultimate Barnum and Bailey in terms of, uh, you know, just, just get my name right. You know, it doesn't matter if it's bad publicity or good publicity. Jerry is the ultimate in understanding what sells, and and he's never taken anything personally. There are other guys in the city, uh, one who I like very much, who stars on Shark Tank, who at times doesn't always have a great sense of humor about things if, uh, if you say something critical or make fun of him or anything like that. I mean, I love Mark Cuban, but he, over the course of time, didn't have near the sense of humor of Jerry Jones. So really, Jerry, I guess what I'm saying is Jerry has the, the power probably to end any of our careers if he wants to. But he's never never been vindictive, never uh, you know been mad that, hey, this guy's making fun of Troy Aikman. Uh, I want you to fire him. Like, he could do any of that stuff. He's Jerry freaking Jones. He's, he's got $5 billion in his uh, franchise. I mean, it's insane. I don't know if you guys saw his boat, but... He had so much money, he bought a $300,000 yacht, or, or, or no, I'm sorry, that's not a lot. He bought a two, $300 million yacht, so the uh, Bravo Eugenia, which, uh, which uh, I kid you not, is, stays in the Mediterranean for the most part because it's so huge and so awesome, but think about having so much money that you buy a $300 million yacht. He did, and yet he never gets vindictive and tries to end any of us, and so that's, it's, it's all, it's all ridiculous with the Dallas Cowboys. Their stadium's ridiculous. I don't know if you guys have ever been to it, but it's insane. It's far more a country club than it is an awesome football stadium, which is why most of us who love football kind of hate the stadium because we want a stadium that freaks out the opponent, right? We want a stadium that's loud and alive and feels like a great football stadium. This place feels like an awesome uh, theater. Yeah, it, like, that's what I was going to say. It looks like a theater, even on TV. It looks like a yeah, a jumbo it's theater. Just beautiful, right? Like you should wear like a nice tux and maybe a, she should wear an evening gown to your. I mean, it's a cowboy game. What are we doing? So it's 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 a life of luxury. It's kind of like the TV show Succession, but with football, maybe. 
uh, just, uh, you know, how that family works, but, uh, you know, it's all good, whatever. Right. I mean, the fact is he could end any of us and he chooses to, uh, to look the other way. And as long as we keep talking about his team all the time, so (laughs) it's, it's never dull. It's insane. Uh, nobody talks, that team is so popular and yet they've never really won anything in almost three decades now. And it's just, I don't know. I can't explain. I can't explain the popularity of the Dallas Cowboys. I just know that it it, uh, feeds my family quite well. So has, has Jerry ever, uh, is he available? Is he accessible? Yeah. Has he been on the show many times or absolutely? Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, he's, he's up for bits and he always uh, meets you with a smile. Now, now, he'll get firm if uh, you want to be tough guy with him, and and I've I've certainly seen his teeth a time or two, but but uh, no, he understands that uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity, and 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 so so uh, he's here, he's here to do interviews, he's here to do bits, uh, you know, he's uh, I don't know, the guy just prints money, like yeah. he bought the Cowboys for like 150 million, and now. Seriously, they're valued over five billion dollars, and that's like in thirty years. So he's he's done okay. So we'll, we'll keep it on the Cowboys. What are your thoughts on on the Clapper? <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought he should have been fired after the twenty twelve season. <laughs> so the fact that it took until twenty nineteen, uh, you know, he's he's a he's a nice dude, and 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 I know Neil as an Ivy League guy. I was going to say, uh, I saw him speak at the uh, the Ivy League uh, Hall of Fame. He got inducted in the Hall of Fame with Bill O'Brien from Brown. Oh, really? They both spoke wow. at the same dinner. And then every so every school in the Ivy League gets like a – every year they like vote a guy in from their school. Columbia's was a neurosurgeon, you know. Man. And, and so, which was cool. The guy returned punts and like has like some records from like the 70s. Yeah. And now he's, you know, doing brain – he's like, yeah, I got an operation in the morning. And it was in, it? in Manhattan. and But yeah, Garrett and O'Brien got up and – O'Brien's speech was awesome. Garrett's just a little too bland for me, though. Like he was, yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, you can tell he's a good guy, but he's just like, right, he's like a little too polished for me. I just don't know that he could pass the touring test. You know, he might be a cyborg. I'm not yeah. positive, <laughs> but I think we need to run the software one or two more times <laughs> just to make sure it can fool people. You know, but I don't know. I mean, he's a he's a nice guy. He's uh, earnest. He's uh, he's all those things that you look for. He would be a great neighbor, but uh, I was—I I just got the sense that he was in over his head in 2012, 2013, 2015. And the thing—the thing with Jerry is, if you can put up with Jerry, like if see that's that's what got Parcells and Jimmy Johnson in hot water is that at a certain point they were just done with dealing with the circus, right? They were done dealing with Jerry in team meetings. They were done with uh, the grandkids <laughs> down on the field, uh, at practices they hey, running routes done. with the receivers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were, yeah, they were, they were done with all that stuff. Parcells and, and Jimmy were not going to do that. But, but Garrett was like a, a, like the lost son of a family. Like, like this guy, this guy gets us. This guy understands what the Jones family is all about. And therefore it appeared there was almost nothing he could do to get fired. And so, you know, that, that it, it felt like uh, it didn't matter if he was the second best coach on the field most Sundays uh, because uh, he played well with the Jones family and, and never really did anything that was fireable, never had horrible seasons necessarily, but never had great ones and they never overachieved, but maybe they never, you know, he just, it was just, just very bland, very generic. And so the fact that 
it's it's the coach of the Cowboys is now not Garrett. Uh, I think has given everyone a little bit of energy moving forward. Let's. Uh, I, I want to use that to kind of switch gears to the NBA. And you mentioned Mark Cuban. What I, a couple of questions? How much fun was that 2011 season? Uh, and have you spent much time with guys like? Dirk Nowitzki or maybe a Jason Terry or, you know, have you developed any type of relationship with those guys? Yes. I, I well, yeah, Dirk, uh, Dirk and I are, uh, man, what's the right way to term it? Because I don't want to overstate it. We are, uh, soccer buddies. How about that? So, um, in the year 2000, I got into the English premier league and, uh, shout out to Liverpool. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a tough time, that if the season gets canceled, we may have our, our first championship in 30 yeah, you guys, years. You so. guys are way ahead of the pack, right? Like you, Yeah, 20, 25 points up. I think we needed one or maybe two more matches to clinch. And there's, we basically, you know, in the win probability, we, we seriously are at 100%. But the title may not count, and that's going to that's gonna devastate a lot of us. I don't want to say that's going to kill us because obviously – um, that's, it's not going to kill us necessarily, but it's really going to be a bummer because, uh, no team has been in the wilderness of English soccer, uh, quite like Liverpool over the last 30 years and all our rivals uh, laugh at us and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I say we, as if I really, uh, am one of them, but I've, I've, I've rooted for them for a long, long time. And somehow that, that, uh, was interesting to dirt because back then nobody over here cared about soccer and he cared about soccer a lot. And so, um, he is an Arsenal guy because uh, over the course of time, they had a couple of his German friends. And, uh, you know, we just ended up uh, we just ended up having a relationship that uh, is basically built around text when Arsenal and Liverpool play. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's just a dumb little thing that you uh, might not point out if it's just anybody else in the world. But if it's, if it's like one of the great basketball heroes of a, you know, of, of this generation. And, and certainly the city's uh, favorite athlete, probably of all time, which is crazy given all the Cowboys that have played here. Uh, it's a really cool thing. So, so yeah, Dirk and I have uh, had a 20 year soccer relationship that uh, still goes on to this day. And uh, it's, 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 it's really fun. And um, that's, I don't bug him about too much anything else. And he doesn't really bug me about anything else. Not that I would care, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, but I, I will say this. I have been a sports fan since basically I left the crib. I've definitely have favorite teams that are not from Dallas, uh, but there will never be anything like the 2011 Mavericks. Nothing in my mind. I, uh, I, I felt so strongly about this, Randy that when it happened and I was sitting on the airplane and they had just won game six in Miami against LeBron and Wade and, and Chris Bosch and, and then just that whole Miami heat crew that were so heavily favored going into that series. I said to myself, you know, I've got to write a book. I've got to write this book. I, I, you know, I felt like I had a bucket list in my life that things I really, really wanted to do. And for some reason as a kid, I always thought I would have to write a sports book. And I, so I did, I, I, I wrote a book. Now here's the downside of it. I don't think really it was very, how do you say well-read? So you've had a lot of like really well-selling authors on your show. I probably am not one of them. I don't think I sold even 5,000 copies, but uh, you know what? It exists. It exists. You, well, exactly. well, tell us the title. Let's see if we can give you a little trap draw bump here. 
Well, I if you can, it will be the first bump this book has ever received. <laughs> but uh, it's called uh, "This Year Is Different," uh, and uh, and uh, yeah, it's the story of the 2011 Mavs. And try to overlook the fact that the artwork on the cover it looks like uh, somebody designed it on uh, their very first computer, uh, because uh, the cover is not uh, aesthetically pleasing to the eye. But I think the book is pretty great, uh, or at least I'm proud of it. How about that? And uh, and I'm happy it exists. So I, I thought, you know what? Maybe nobody will write a book about the 2011 Mavericks, but I'm doing it. And it will. And I then found out it was it's definitely going to be the only book I ever write, just because, dude, writing a book is so much work, <laughs> and it's so much it's so much easier just to wear flip flops and a t shirt and go talk on the radio for three hours a day. That's way easier. The money's way better. So uh, if you guys are into writing books, I don't want to stop you, but uh, it's way too much work for the money. Well, we we explored an NLU book. Um, it's, it's did you? Yeah, we. I mean, it's still kind of. I'm in. We we well yeah we've we've gone back and forth with with different ideas. I I think uh, it's something that interests me. I, I don't know like immediately, it was but I, be more I think like essays though. Yeah, like a, it was going to be more of an of anthology it. where we're not necessarily writing, but if we can collect stories from yeah, you know, folks like you from famous people, oh. regular Joes, and throw them all together, kind of about you know golf, um, but you know, any, anything about golf is really about life. Uh, that that I, was kind of the thrust of it, but we'll see. We shopped it around to some publishers, but they they were kind of like. Thanks, but no thanks for now. <laughs> they were like, who are you guys? <laughs> <laughs> so we, we put it on the shelf for a little while. You're right. The podcast I, I, business is a little better. <laughs> yeah. I, I just think that, uh, I think publishers are really dubious about sports books. Unless That's exactly what we heard. They were like, we know yeah. a lot of the feedback was, was nice. Like we like what you guys do. We love the idea, but we just know how hard it is to write a sport. Like how hard it is to sell a sports book basically. Yeah. Especially yeah. one to a so, niche audience. Right, so I went with a real small publisher, and, and, and so it pretty much exists as an ebook, which is fine with me. But you know, if you're a Mavericks fan, and you, you, you like even this week NBA TV show the 2011 Finals, and and uh, you know that got everybody warm and fuzzy. So you know, ten people bought my book, or or ten people got it off the shelf and showed me they were reading it again. And so, like I said, for those people, and I I know the Dallas Mavericks don't have a giant fan base worldwide, but for those people, I'm just happy I crossed it off my bucket list because, dude, that 60 days, and more importantly, like the decade leading up to it where Dirk was kind of a uh, joke at first in the NBA to people who kind of thought he was just another soft Euro, and, and then all the failures, like the year they lost in the 06 finals, the next year he won the MVP, but they got bounced in the first round, and it was the first time a one seed ever lost in the first round in a seven-game series to Golden State. So he was like the, the lovable loser who you're always arguing against other peoples and other fan bases that, no, our guy's good, I swear he's good, you know? And it was just the fact that the door closed, the window closed on him, he's never going to win a title. And then out of nowhere, two years after, maybe four years after the window closed, they do win the title with a roster of, uh, let's see if I can do this from memory, it's definitely in the book, but a roster of 169 or 68 combined years of NBA experience on the, on the roster with zero rings. So it's Jason Kidd, it's Peja Stoyakovich, it's, 
it's Jason Terry, it's Dirk, it's all these guys. They've all been in the league, you know, on average, like 14, 15 years apiece. None of them had ever won a ring. And then they rose up and they ran through Portland, the Lakers, who were defending champs, OKC with Harden, Westbrook, and Durant finding their powers for the first time. And then, you know, the first year of the Miami Heat with the Three Kings. And I'm just like, this is insane. Somebody has to, somebody has to try to write this down. So that's what I did. I remember that was my that was senior year of college. I was I watched every every game with I, I I mean they beat the Monstars. It's basically Space Jam. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like it was in, just in like, fact, game one, game one, the Heat set the record for most dunks like ever in a playoff game. And so you're right, it, it felt like they were playing the dudes from Space Jam. It was ridiculous. I can't believe you didn't shout out my guy Steve Novak on that roster, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, there's so many, so many dimensions. I, yeah. I modeled my whole game after that guy. Actually, I came before him, but he was kind of my he spirit modeled, animal. He, modeled, yeah. he just came after Randy. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's all good. It's all good. I, and I, I could see a corner three from Big Randy. I could see it. <laughs> For sure. Which, which, by the way, I, you know, Randy and I, I, he's bigger. Like, what are you, Randy? Like six, seven? Yeah, probably six eight if I really stand up straight. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, so so I, uh, I I I do look at you as inspiration for clubhead speed and for uh, just tempo and trying to stay within myself and things like that. I'm I'm six four, uh, but uh, I'm I'm also kind of bad back guy, and so I'm not trying to say you might have an injury in your past, but it just <laughs> it feels like you're not worried about. Uh, a club head speed. You're worried about uh, let's let's try to make sure I know where the ball's going. So uh, so it, you know, as much as I enjoy uh, Icarito's uh, world view on uh, the game of golf, <laughs> sending it. I think I think I yeah. I think I look to you more for uh, for for we've, the game I need to we've be been, playing. We've been Randy's. I'll, he's become a generational driver <laughs> off the tee lately. Like guys, hasn't missed the fairway in like the last five rounds I've played with him. It looks like we've called it the Arthur Ashe. It looks like a forehand now. Like the way like, <laughs> he's like throwing himself through a forehand in tennis. It's it's a uh, it's a sight to be seen. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. in yourself, and uh, you know, at some point, we're gonna we're gonna figure out a way to uh, to get uh, one of the. One of the strap boys, uh, you know, one of these tourist sauce titles. I know it's uh, it's, it's, a, it's a long road, guys, but uh, just keep the belief alive. We're we're, we're staying hopeful. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm curious uh, on along with the Mavericks question, but this all Dallas athletes. Have you played any golf with, or do you know of any of the Cowboys or Mavericks that are big golfers? Um, let's see. Uh, I would say I. Probably could help way more with the with the Dallas Stars. Uh, I do know through the years, uh, you're like Terrence Newman, and uh, well, obviously Tony Romo. But I can't get in a game with Romo uh, because he's he's playing in his big cash games with Spieth and those dudes. I mean, uh, it's it's pretty crazy some of the cash games you hear about in the Dallas area, which you guys don't know more than I do, but. Uh, uh, I, I didn't know about this world of uh, like weekday morning uh, big cast games amongst really famous big golfers, but apparently they happen all the time around here. You know what's cool about Dallas, and I think this has probably gotten me more into golf over the last five years because um, this is really a weird thing to say about yourself, but I might be a workaholic. Uh, and with my three different football jobs, if I lit myself, I'll just work away a year and really never leave uh, the laptop or the microphone. And so 
like four years ago, I just said, you know what? I'm tired of sucking at golf and I'm also tired of just, you know, working all the time. So I'm going to make sure that I play, you know, once a week and then, you know, I hit balls twice a week, that sort of thing. And I've never been on a program like that. In fact, I'm obsessive compulsive about stats as just about any statistical nerd is. So I would keep like my rounds per year. And there were several years where it's single digits. And so you're wondering, well, why am I not getting better at golf? Well, it's because you don't play golf, you idiot. And so uh, the last four years, I, uh, I've really committed to, you know, try to get to that 40 or 50 rounds a year. I have no idea where you guys are at, but it kind of looks like you guys have probably all played years and years and years, maybe even got instruction and you guys all know what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I tried to learn golf at like age 42. And so that's pretty hard to do. But, um, I've been telling you all this because in Dallas, I found out that if you are one of those guys that have your mornings free weekday mornings, there's all these dudes who are either at the end of the PGA tour or they're on the tour below or the tour below the corn Ferry or whatever the, whatever all these tours are, they all live in Dallas. And so there's, there's opportunity to, uh, you know, I like, uh, shout out to Conrad Schindler, uh, Martin Piller, a lot of these dudes who I'm friends with, I didn't know them at all. You know, they introduced oh, a professional golfer. I'm sorry. I have no idea who you are. If you're not like top, <laughs> top 20 in the world, no offense, but yeah. you know, I, you know, then you get to know them and you realize how many dudes are really good at golf. And you guys have introduced me to any number of dudes through your podcast and whatnot that, uh, okay, now I got max on my radar. I got, you know, just all the dudes that uh, you guys are cool with. Now, obviously your listeners are as well. So I, I say all that just to, just to uh, kind of tell you that through you guys and also through this, this commitment to golf over the last four years, I've kind of unlocked uh, uh, some idea of just how good and how vast this professional golf world is. And, and it's really helped my enjoyment and appreciation of it. And here's another tip for everybody. The more golf you play, the better you get. Even if, you're, even if you have a screwed up swing, uh, which I might, uh, it's just it's just putting in the reps, right? It's like radio. It's like anything. It's true, I, I, and it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to zoom out and realize it because I I still have the same big right miss I've always had. But it's like yeah. then I I'll zoom out. I'll be like, yeah, I mean, you know, my handicap's gone down. Like I've played <clears throat> I don't know sixty rounds last year. And it's like I don't feel like you don't feel like you're getting any better. But if you like you said about the stats, if you zoom out and look at it, it's like actually right. you're getting a lot better, and you're just not allowing yourself to see it. The trouble, the only trouble I've seen with that, Neil, and this is part of my journey, is that to be fair, like five years ago, I'm not sure I really kept a real accurate score. So yeah, as, you're, yes. as you're getting better, you're also learning that there's a certain way to play golf, maybe the TC way. And, <laughs> and with that, you actually have to count your score properly. And so you're getting way better. But your kind your score is kind of same in a somewhat similar. Place. I noticed that like I've got a couple of buddies that I played college football with that now they're getting into golf because like you know all their friends are playing they never played and right you know specifically shout out to Evan Miller uh, like the Mills. the Mills he's like you know he can't break a hundred but then you know he shoots like a hundred and one but I'm like well dude you can't count those three mulligans you took like that's not how it worked you know what I'm saying like you did you didn't and, and when you do you hit play, it out of bounds like, like technically you have to go back yeah, you're and drop better and that's a penalty absolutely he's like why are you trying to like break me down I'm like I'm not I'm just telling you like at some point we're gonna have to get through that that issue as well right where it's like right. you can't reload 
on number six. Yeah. I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't let you do that. Especially if you want to gamble, I can't let you do that. Right. Your score isn't really an opinion. Yeah, it's exactly. A, it's like, well, no, I, I mean, but I, you know, I shot a hundred. It's like, well, no, you probably shot like a one ten. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that's part of the journey right yeah it you is gotta, it's a big first, part of the journey first you, gotta, first you gotta figure out what your score actually is to know if you're getting better yes. so that's uh that was that was that was like three or four years ago now uh i you know like i said i would i would, I would be honored uh you know like you guys did colonial last year right you did uh mm-hmm. uh what's what's the little triangle there what three four and we five did the horseshoe the yes. horrible horseshoe oh, <laughs> oh, horrible oh horseshoe. man <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Next time you guys play inside DFW, I got to be in the mix somewhere, even if it's caddying. A hundred percent. We'd love to. We'd love to have a Sherpa in the Metroplex. Where Where That'd do you play huge. out of? You know what? I, I'm I, I, I'm Muni guy now because oh, I'll yes. tell you something. I I, uh, I, I tried the uh, CC life, and uh, <laughs> I have to tell you, if you're if you're a radio guy and you got a place to be and you got to be done, uh, you know, and you got to play the the, the the round that gets you out of there by 11 a.m. You just can't deal with the old dudes who who take all the tea times, and they don't even they don't even give you a fair chance if you're just a single and you want to play by yourself and you want to play in three hours or something like that, like like a first light, which is what my my jam is. So so I went to uh, I went to the Muni's and uh, you know the places up north of the airport here. Uh, shout out to Grapevine and. Uh, and uh, some of the other spots that I really like, uh, I, I just, I just love, I love playing by myself. Uh, I will play with other people. I'm not a jerk or anything, but I, I just, I kind of like just being out there and uh, just hitting the ball around a little bit, just being nice and loose and uh, maybe even have the little uh, speaker with me, get some tunes going, maybe get a little no laying up going. I don't know, but, uh, but uh, it's all good. Just, uh, just get out there and stop thinking about football for three or four hours once in a while, you know? Yeah. I think there's a, I don't want to say an even split. I, I'm kind of evenly split. I love playing golf alone. Don't do it as often as I wish I could. Yeah, I but too. there's a yeah. lot of people that I've talked to that are like, God, how do you play golf alone? Like what, you know, and I'm, it, it's almost like people fall on either side of that. I, sometimes yeah. for me, it's almost time of year and time of day dependent. Sure. Uh, like growing up in the Midwest, like the fall, for instance, like a afternoon in the fall, I would love to walk alone. Um, but that's yeah, not well, really feasible at, at peak times, you know? Right. Well, if you're, if you're a Texas guy and you get used to uh, 35 days over 100 uh, in a row or whatever we do down here, then, then uh, you might be first light guy like me and you, you roll out and, uh, and you, you, you try, to, try to chop it up a little bit uh, before anyone else gets out there. And, and, uh, and that's, that's kind of how I do it. But you know what? Uh, I, I get that I'm in the minority because a lot of dudes, man, that's time to get out there with the boys and the drink yeah. and kind of avoid avoid uh, the, the whole home scene or whatever they're doing. And uh, you know, golf is hard enough. I don't need to I don't need to mix it in beverages. I uh, uh, you know, I don't need to be inebriated by any stretch of the imagination. I, I, I can barely play as it is. Yeah. So and we back to the Mavericks question, we got we heard through the grapevine that uh, Jason Terry's a big golfer. Have you, yeah, have you played yeah. with him or or or? You know what? I haven't. I, I haven't. And but I think he's very good. You know who's really good though is Darren Williams. The uh, the the hmm. de- we saw the him at, uh, when we were doing tour sauce. We he was at Pinehurst. They were doing a a oh, big. That's right. There was that it was whole like Mike Dunleavy crew. Jr. Yeah. and uh, Darren. I saw so I saw Darren Williams number three Pinehurst two. We're coming off uh, five green after I just hit. 
had a, a triple when I put it off the green. And we're, <laughs> oh, we're on, which we're was sweet, by the way. Yeah, which, <laughs> well, it was, which it was, was sick. very sick. And we, <laughs> were on, sick. we were on the par three, which is the sixth. And uh, Darren Williams is in the fairway on the par three. He's playing number three, but he's on the fairway number six. Hits it over the trees to like 10 feet, but he can't see it. And we're standing on the tee. We're like, hey, man, you know, just great shot. Like giving him, you know, he gives us a little wave and he walks. I'm like, holy shit, that's, uh, that's, that's Darren Williams. That's, <laughs> that's wild. That's wild, man. So, yeah. Yeah, they were having like a Ryder Cup thing. It, it looked like a bunch of, a combination of really rich guys and ex NBA yeah. players. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think those two go together pretty yeah. well, rich guys and NBAers. In fact, sometimes they're the same guy. And, uh, and yeah, Darren plays a ton. Um, you know, it's, it, I, I wish I had a better scout report on the whole area for, for, for the, the local athletes, but, you know, here's the thing, not to go all McConaughey here and their days and confused, but I keep getting older and they all stay the same age sort of thing. <laughs> and the, the professional athletes, man, it's so weird. Like, once Dirk retired, you're like, dude, uh, like, I've been here longer than, you know, just about – just about every single guy in professional sports in this town. I guess Dirk was the last one that was kind of from my era. So, so now, even though I'm only like 47, not like I actually am 47, guys. I can narrow down my age. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to estimate my age. Uh, that was weird. <laughs> but uh, but I, I would just say, as a general rule, it's it's really eye opening how quick a professional sports career goes, and and how many hundreds of dudes you see. Uh, kind of chasing their dream. Yesterday on our show, we had Justin Leonard on, for instance. Uh, so, so from from the mighty world of golf, here's a dude who won a major. Here's a dude who's done all sorts of things that most golfers would give a arm for. And at the same time, like he's been over golf for like five or six years. Like he doesn't even play. He doesn't. Even, <laughs> he, yeah. he works for the golf channel, but he's just. We were like, so how much do you play? Uh, like four rounds last year. Like he just, he's over it and, and, and he's my age. And so it's, it's just weird how fast everything goes and, and, and how, um, uh, how tough it is to get on top and then how impossible it is to stay on top. Like we're even talking about speed. Like, have we seen peak speed already? And Man, I hope, I mean, I, yeah, it's really sad I, to think if, 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 we have. if we have, I honestly think right. this break might be just what the doctor ordered for, uh, for speed. I mean, Man, a I chance so. to kind of catch his breath maybe. I think so. Like, I so. Leonard's a good example to me, though, of, and it's probably more so with guys that haven't won a major. Uh, but but that golf becomes tough when you used to be so good at it, and then you can't do what you used to do. So it's like I right. just don't want to. I just don't want to play anymore. You know, it's all. I, yeah. It's kind of the way I feel playing pickup basketball. Sometimes it's like I used oh, to be good. Amen to that. You yeah. know, but now Absolutely. I can't. My brain is telling me to to do something that I'm not able to do, and I'm just turning the ball over. Like this sucks. So that's it. I, I do want to point out though that Jason, Justin Leonard did win a major. He did. That's what I said. Yeah. Oh, yeah, ninety-seven. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said you haven't won a major. Over. I said it's probably more so for guys that haven't won one. You I know what I'm you. saying? Like, I got you. Like someone that yeah. wasn't as good as him. Yeah, like yeah, more yeah. like college players that were really good. Absolutely. And then now they can't. You know, they can't break par. It's like that's got to be so frustrating. The Joe Maraca. Yeah. Poor like Randy. Randy's got a, a buddy of his. That, My old boss at Ernst yeah. & Young. <laughs> Please tell. Played, uh, played college golf and is just the most tormented soul now uh, trying to play. I hope he doesn't mind me airing him out. He, he might hear this, but uh, <laughs> no way he made just, it this far. Just 
Well, there's, like Opus Day belittles himself. <laughs> He's got well, the, the other thing about him is on the range. The guy is just. It's a stripe show. Oh, you it's, can't it's miss college golf. It's like, oh yeah, that, like, guy's, that guy's a stick. absolutely. He's, and then he gets, yeah. like, Then he gets the first tee. It's a two way miss, and it's just, <laughs> Joe. You're so fucking bad, <laughs> oh, Joe. You don't deserve to play this game. <laughs> yeah. It's like God. The guy's got it. demons, man. Yeah, um, yeah. No, you know what? Uh, the, the basketball to golf graduation, though, is one of the one of the true things that I can relate to. Is there's nothing. First of all, there's nothing that destroys my body at this age quite like basketball so i've learned to <laughs> yeah. I've, I've learned to just get out of the mix altogether uh, post like herniated disc sort of thing uh from, from a while back but you know what i don't want to sound like uncle rico it's not like it's not like that <laughs> put me out of basketball basketball probably put me out of basketball but but honestly that's the that's the beauty of this this awesome sport is there's like nothing that touches your brain like a corner three used to quite like you know that 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 great golf shot and that's i don't know that's that's the exact same feeling and it's uh it's a beautiful thing but i you almost you almost have to i think have sort of experienced both of those ideas to, to fully to fully grasp whatever it is inside your brain that just is like dude let's do that more often that was really fun you know that sort of thing yeah well, Bob, I think I mean that's probably all we got. I God, appreciate was, chopping it up with you. This was so much fun, Bob. I, I really, yeah, oh, we, we might have we have to do it again. For I'm sure. like, we gotta get to to, to Dallas. We, we yeah. gotta we gotta do something with you, dude. Come do radio with us. That would be awesome. Oh, oh my God, God. that's a dream come true for the big there. guy. That'd be amazing well, just we, to see so you guys yeah, do it. Uh, oh. Man, you know we were supposed to be at the uh, Byron Nelson and at at the Colonial this year. Obviously, ah. you know, bummer. But hopefully, next year we'll we'll be in the uh, in the Metroplex. Uh, yeah, I guess I, last I, last question for you would be: if yeah. we're gonna uh, strapped, what would be the three Metroplex, Fort Worth, oh, Dallas courses question. that yeah. you would recommend? Oh, we hit? Uh, well, first, uh, you know what? I would definitely say uh, Stevens Park is like my favorite one. It's it's a muni downtown uh, that uh, that is just awesome, and yet. Uh, like nobody seems to talk about it for whatever reason. And, you know, I, I wouldn't, I don't think that's a big deal because, uh, the golf community here is sort of uh, hoity toity and, uh, they got their, they got their, uh, Dallas national and their CCs and their, you know, the latest and the best and the brightest, but man, the Dallas munis, I gotta tell you, they're super cheap and yet they're really awesome because they're old and they're just, they just don't feel like Dallas. So um, I, I don't mean to anger folks, but I must tell you, first of all, to, to the CC folks or to the Cowboys golf club folks that want to go for 179. I don't mind paying a lot to play golf necessarily as like a special treat, but, uh, but as, as a course of, uh, where am I playing Tuesday? A little bit of a cheapskate. I'm going to be honest with you. A little bit of a cheapskate. And so, uh, Stevens park in downtown Dallas is, uh, is brilliant. Uh, so they got, they got square greens on some of them. It just, it's beautiful guys. Trust me on that it's, one. It scoops Callahan special. I'll throw back to the, 20s. yeah, yeah. I, I love it. And, and then, uh, Cedar crest. Now, let me also say guys going in, I am, uh, the type of guy that probably has only played, eh, I don't know. 20 of the 100 courses in the city. So let me, let me, let me be careful there. Uh, there's a ton of courses in the Metroplex. So just like there's a ton of everything, but, uh, but I would, I would say 
you probably could find smarter guys than me uh, to give you the full scout report, but but here's my quick one. Uh, Stevens Park. We don't, we don't want smarter guys, yeah. Bob. We're, no, we're asking not, for your what, opinion. We're, we're not that's not what the strap boys do. Good. We don't t- good, good. sometimes we don't take the best advice. <laughs> good. Uh Cedar Crest is where I wanna say the nineteen twenty nine PGA championship was at, but it's like uh kind of in a part of town that uh that uh, progress forgot a little bit in terms of uh at least the golf community. So so around it is is sort of uh perhaps uh, a little urban neglect in terms of, uh, uh, you know, just making sure a sweet new Starbucks is right there, but the history oozes out of it. And, uh, and heck, there was a major there, so that's pretty cool, right? That's And, awesome. uh, yeah, it's, 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 those, those two courses are can't miss. And then maybe, hmm, the third one, you know what? I'll just tell you my home course. I'll tell you, uh, the place uh, where I, uh, I go for my annual pass because, uh, it's too good of a value to pass up on. And that's a uh, sweet grapevine right here. Grapevine uh, with uh, their 27 holes. So every, every day, guys, we get a different 18. And uh, between, uh, uh, between the rotation and, or the off nine, uh, that's, that's where you'll find me most of the time. So, uh, so I hate to, hate to be in the uh, back pocket of, uh, of my home place and just be a real homer for you guys. But uh, uh, that would complete my trifecta. And I, you guys could easily do that for under 500 bucks and uh heck you could stay uh, stay at the house here for all i care that'd be awesome my, my, my wife would love it well listen we're on a recorded what? line here so <laughs> yeah. we can't we can't, we can't trade oh, yeah, on yeah. legally name, right? we but must listen, refuse that but <laughs> we, we're not allowed to trade on any of these names all right the you know what bylaws. yeah I, I, well, I'll, I'll list it on airbnb and snap <laughs> it up and we'll, we'll work that way and, and we'll make you omelets and everything now we're talking uh um, yeah Awesome. We we wrote those down. Gosh, we uh, you know we we hope to take the strapped concept all across these these fifty states of ours and uh, maybe even internationally someday. So I will well, we'll for sure get to uh, the Plex at some point. I, I thought we had a chance when Iowa uh, chimed in, but uh, I won't be bitter. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Iowa. I mean, uh, look, well, the reason we picked it was it was like where where's the last yeah. place you think. To, to go? No, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, gosh, look at Minneapolis, didn't you? Yeah, right. We get yeah, a lot of outreach for, sure. for for actually many Minnesota and Wisconsin and Utah, and that's the thing you start like like any state like that is like you could go ten different places in those. You yeah. know, it's like yeah. once you open the door, it's like oh my god, there's so many places I want to see. You know, give, in these places, I'll give you guys the for Wisconsin next time. Because uh, that's that's the homeland. That's uh, that's uh, where I get back every summer for for a week of uh, of uh, ignoring um, uh, relatives and uh, just going to play golf. Yeah. Well, uh, awesome, uh, Bob. This was this was so much fun. Uh, thank you very much for your time. And uh, it, it's an honor. And and seriously, I, I I love what you guys do. And and uh, I don't tell anybody else this. I promise. Uh, you guys. Uh, uh, like I said, normally uh, radio guys were, were supposed to uh, kind of uh, detest anyone else who tries to do what we do for a living. Uh, but, uh, but you guys uh, subconsciously won me over um, uh, several years back. And, uh, yeah, I was probably being a little needy on Twitter from time to time, hoping, hoping my heroes <laughs> would notice me. And oh, we uh, here, here I am. <laughs> Well, that. I got to actually one, one last question before we go. Yeah. What's the Twitter yeah. avatar? It lo- you look like Bane. <laughs> so, so 
do you guys did you guys ever watch Sons of Anarchy? I did. Yes, I was a big uh, fan. Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, so Sons of Anarchy, the the main character is Jax. Yeah, uh, Jax Teller. Yeah, and one one year they, uh, I think he was probably close to getting killed, which probably doesn't narrow it down. And uh, the, <laughs> like the the, yeah. the marketing poster was uh, like half skull, half Jax, uh, wearing a hoodie. And so for some reason, I got really interested in that, and I think I might have made that my avatar. And then somebody made me into Jax in that exact same avatar. So that's kind of a shout out to Jax Teller uh from sons of anarchy and since that show has been off the air like 10 years now almost nobody knows what it is except what's the deal with your avatar dude and that's me well there you go that's exactly the 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 details i was looking for and i'm a fan of that show so i should i should have known that yeah Um, it's all right don't beat yourself up (laughs) (laughs) all right and 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 i i feel like at this point obviously since you guys are trying to get rid of me i do need to work out one last thing and that is the Kyle Usechek audio where you're, or a video where oh, you're trying to God. tackle him, it's just a pleasure. It is it's a, a pleasure. delight, if Listen, you will, Randy, right? It, Am I right? It's, is a, it a, it's, delight? An, it's an absolute delight. And it was, I will, yeah. I will speak on this. I knew, like, it's, man, that was, that was my senior year. And that guy, God, he, he, was, a, he was a beast. And that, we were in zero <laughs> coverage, no help, and I'm playing way too oh, far zero. off. And if, if you watch the video, you see that I actually close really well, but I just I leave my feet. And he just yeah. puts me in the ground, and I remember he's he's he. And then he broke my buddy Murph and my buddy Ross's tackle on the way to the end zone. And I remember watching all that happen and just thinking, I didn't think like, man, he scored or anything. I just, man, man, that's gonna look fucking bad on film tomorrow. <laughs> and I, but I didn't realize it was gonna look bad on film in ten years, forever, forever. <laughs> like on, you know, what uh, I, mean? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't calculate that part. So, like how, like how that, how that get a life on Twitter. Uh, my brother, uh, Tron. <laughs> oh, Tron. Okay, of course, yeah, yeah, my yeah, brother. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, but right. at the same time, I also say to myself, that was the worst I ever got it in college, and yeah. at least it was literally the best fullback in the NFL. Absolutely. Right. Like I'll take that. I'm like, okay, at least it wasn't like yeah, I, I got. At least he's not a Goldman Sachs one time banker. I got, got trucked. I made the tackle though at Penn by a guy named. Uh, Luke Naraki. He was a you know big ass tight end from Long Island, and my buddy Ross blew a cover two man, and I was the deep safety. On and he, this guy just turned up field and like you know I kind of like you know shuffled like don't let him juke me, and the guy just lowered yeah. his shoulder, and I just held on to like his ankle, and it was uh, you know it made I think it made their highlight tape too, but I did make right. that tackle. So all you haters and it. losers out there can can go find that one. Anyway, we'll I leave we'll it. leave the way with that. <laughs> Brilliant. That's well done. Yeah. You guys are the best.